Fantastic. Are you all excited? Yes. Okay, that's better. Come on. <laughs> okay, good. Because we're starting a new series this week. And we're going to be running it for the, the next five weeks. It's called Favourites. Okay, I asked this question this morning. Do, do you see the reference that we have on the screen at the moment? Favourites chocolates? You kind of got that understanding? You kind of got that little bit of... How many people like Turkish delights? How many people like chocolates? How many people's got a favourite chocolate? Yeah. Okay, how many people got a favourite Bible verse? Yes. Okay, those, those in the morning already got this one. It's it funny because in the nine o'clock service, just about everybody put their hand up to chocolate. Almost nobody put their hand up for the Bible. It was like, why don't we have favourite Bible passages within Scripture? We, we're actually going to be looking at um, some favourite Bible passages within Scripture. Um, and... and I get the privilege, I get to do two of mine. So it's actually the preacher's favourite Bible passages. So I'm going to do two. So we're going to get the first one this week and the next week. And then um, Eric's going to be bringing us, I've got that in the right way. Yep, Eric's going to be bringing us his favourite Bible passage. And then Joanne and then finally Caleb, So, um, which is going to be excellent. So um, this, I'm looking forward to hearing all of these. So we really get into the minds of the preachers, what their, what their favourite Bible passages are. Um, it, although, you know, it is actually hard at times to pick what your favourite's going to be, especially if you're not first. See, I got, the, I got the fun thing. I got to be first, so I got to pick whatever I liked before anybody else jumped in. So, you know, I, it's, it's, it's good being the first one. So up, up. But, you know, uh, hopefully I haven't picked those that other people are going to do. But we're going to jump in today. We're, we're actually going to be looking at a piece of scripture... That, um, that I really love. It comes from Luke's Gospel. Um, and it is, Jesus forgives and heals the paralysed man. So we're going, to put the, we're going to put the words up on the screen. We're just going to just take this moment and we're going to run through this reading of Scripture. And what I want you to do is we're going to focus on the paralysed man to start with. And then we're going to focus on the friends because they give us different understandings around this scripture. And this scripture is actually quite powerful. Although lots of scriptures are powerful, but this one's quite powerful and it gives us a good insight into the forgiveness of sins that Jesus offers us. So we're up on the screen. Great, we're on the screen. So, and I've been told I have to keep the iPad still as opposed to flashing it all around. It's reflecting on there. Okay, well, if I, if I, do, if I do this, is that better? Okay, fantastic, good. So, so now we've got to come back to here. One day Jesus was teaching and the Pharisees and the teachers of the laws were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem and the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. What a great opening passage there. And we've set the scene for this passage. You know, if, you, if it was, this was a movie script, you're setting this... We need to go back a bit, Josh, a little, little too quick. I'm going to talk about this one first. I've got to stay on the screen. Excellent. We have this running joke about making sure that tech always, always, always working at the right time, that you've got the right slides moving on to the next thing. Josh was just anticipating I was going to move straight on, but I want to talk a little bit about this. It's, it's, like, it's kind of like a movie scene that you... you you're setting the scene and you know, you, you've got the good guys and we've got the villains. 
And we often think the villains in this story is what the, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, but you, I, I want you to just cha- challenge your perspectives there, just for a moment. Because often what we do is when we come and read Scripture, we often think that the Pharisees were always bad, the teachers of the laws were always bad, we, and because you know, they, they ended up going against Jesus and they were the ones that incited the crowd to, to yell crucify him and you know, all those things that are there. But you've got to realise that here were people with a whole lot of tradition, a whole lot of understanding of, of who God was and they were bringing their whole traditions, but they were listening to Jesus. They were there wanting to hear what Jesus was saying. So they weren't, you know, horrible people. They weren't bad and nasty. They were wanting to understand God's love for the world. They want to understand who God was. And here is Jesus teaching and preaching. So we can move on to the next one there. Here we go. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man, man on a mat and tried to take him into the house and lay him before Jesus. So here we've got the setup of, of the, the, the person and the, the people in the story, the paralyzed man and the friends. And I want you to focus on that. We're going to focus on the paralyzed man first. And so here he is, a paralyzed man. And what happens when you're paralyzed? You can't walk, you can't get yourself around places. So he's got friends that are going to take him from one place to another. And they're picking him up and they're taking him, carrying him on a mat to get him to, to be close to Jesus and, and trying to get him to Jesus because the power of God was with Jesus healing the sick. And so they wanted to get the paralyzed man there to be healed because when, when, you, when you're paralyzed, you can't, you, what, the thing is you're restricted from all the things you could do. They didn't have wheelchairs. They didn't, especially didn't have electric wheelchairs or anything like that. And it was very hard for these people to get around. They required other people to help them all the time and make sure that they were looked after and cared for. And, and this man was dependent on his friends. So when they, when they get to the house, they couldn't find a way in because of the crowd. So what did they do? Well, they went onto the roof and then lowered him on his mat, through the tiles, into the middle of the crowd, right in front of Jesus. And, and you know, and we, we've translated this passage, you know, with tiles there, but we need to, need to realise when we translate it so that we can understand it. You know, we tile our roofs now, but the, the roof of the houses back in those days would have been mud, mud and stick, and so it's actually pulling it through that mud and stick they might, have, you know, they might have had some terracotta tiles, but that wasn't the area for, for having terracotta tiles. So when we translate it tiles, you know, we've we got to keep in mind that the majority of the houses are going to be more like this. But it's, it, regardless of what it is, here are these people, and tiles are more like a slanted roof kind of scenario, whereas roofs in that, that area are more flat, and they build on top and build on top. And so you've got this mud and stick and building and, and ripping through. So... And so what, what they're doing is they've, they've taken this guy who can't get around himself, can't get into where Jesus is, tries to get in, but they can't. So what they do, well, they're, they're being a little inventive, and so they go up under the roof and go, we've got another way. We're going to burrow through the roof and get in there. Now, think for a moment the perspective of this guy who's paralysed. I want to get to Jesus, you know, get my friends get them to take me there, 
I can't get in, nobody's giving me any space, I want to be able to get there, so many people wanting to get close to Jesus. And you're going, well, I've got to trust these people to take me from here up the side of a building onto the roof. And I've got to trust that then once they're on there and they've dug a hole through the roof, that I'm going to trust that I'm going to be lowered back down. There's an immense amount of trust that this paralysed man is placing in his friends to do all of this for him. Do you, do you see that? But see, the thing is, and we're really going to get into the crux of the matter here, is one of the things that was restricted to this paralysed man was he didn't have access to the temple. And he required people to pick him up and take him to the temple to get him to there. And, and where was the forgiveness of sins given out in that time? It was at the temple. And so we go on to the, the next section when, when the man's laying in front of, of Jesus. When Jesus saw their, their faith, that is the friend's faith, and also the faith of the, the paralyzed man in his friends, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. Bang, straight there, straight to the cracks. The thing that he was lacking, the thing that the paralyzed man couldn't get was what? Forgiveness of sins on his own. So he, Jesus just gave it straight to him. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? And, and here it is, you know, their whole tradition. And this is where we start to see, well, maybe there is a little bit of truth about what, what the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were like. They were bringing all this tradition and they're going, but something new is happening. And I can't quite get and understand what new is happening with my tradition that's back here. Only God forgives it and we only do it in the temple and we only do it at this particular time. And it's got to be a, a, you know, a Levite that's doing it, selected. My mind's being blown. Who is this person that can do it? So they're asking the question. And Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked... Why are, you thinking, why are you thinking these things in your heart? So why is it your heart becoming hardened to the fact that the forgiveness of sin has been given to this person who has been put aside in community, put aside from this forgiveness, and we're gi I'm giving it to him right now? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk? Imagine being given that question. Which is easier to say to you, your sins are forgiven, or get up and walk? Now, what, what do you think the Pharisees would say? And then, you know, is it get up and walk? Or is it your sins are forgiven? It's a really challenging question when you think about it. It's challenging in us. What, what is easier to do? heal somebody or offer the forgiveness of God in their lives. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, um, he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up and take your mat and go home. Key crux matter here. What's, it, what's he do? He goes, I've got the power to forgive sins and I'm giving you that forgiveness that you haven't had from getting to that temple. 
but I'm going to show you I'm even more powerful than that. I'm going to, I'm going to be able to go, I'm going to get you back into the community. I'm going to get you back into the ability where you can still have forgiveness of sins through that temple structure that everybody else knows about. It's, God is powerful and works in the midst right here and now. The most important part of this was not that he was necessarily healed, but the forgiveness of sin was given. Most important part here, that his sins were forgiven and forgiven through Jesus at that very time, but also so the Pharisees, the community and everybody else could see that his sins were forgiven, he was also healed. And then he also had access now, not only to society and everything else, he had access back to the temple and to that forgiveness of sins that, that society knew about. So which is easier? To forgive the sins or to say, get up and walk? Immediately he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on and went home doing what? Praising God. Amazing, praising God because he would, look, I've had my forgiveness, I've had my sins forgiven, but I also have my legs to walk. Amazing. And everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. And they were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. What a fantastic piece of scripture. You can, see, can you see why it's one of my favourite pieces? I think it's got so much in there. And, and we haven't even started to think about, well, what does it mean for us as a church? This is just having a look at what is important. And it comes down to the central part about what is important. is the forgiveness of our sins. Central part of Christian understanding is the forgiveness of our sins. And who forgives our sins? Christ forgives our sins. And he can change our life in amazing ways. Central message of this. So amazing things. But what I want to do is we're focused in on, on this paralysed man. But I want us to focus in now having a look at how his friends behaved. And that will help us understand how powerful this passage is for us as a church. And there are three things that I'm going to talk about. But first of all, I want us to understand... And here it is. There we go. That it's time for us to rip the roof off this place. Mark is going, I wonder how we're going to do that. <laughs> Mark, did, sorry, chainsaw, chainsaw, sledgehammer, you know, create a hole. You know, it's, 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 we all did that. We've all done it each time I've, I've mentioned it. Everybody's gone, oh. <laughs> and all looked up because we kind of go, you know, practical things like get rid of the roof. Well, we'd, we'd get wet, wouldn't we? Yeah, and probably not the most practical thing to do. But So what does it mean for us to rip the roof off this place? As a church, what does it mean to really throw open the things that we've constricted? Get rocking. Get rocking. That's right. See, the thing is, when we look at the local churches... When we look at churches uh, in our area, um, within Sydney, everything else, all too often we are churches that those who believe come to, who stay within these four walls, just like the beginning of this story. The Pharisees, the teacher of the law, the people around were in the building, listening, 
to the message that God is giving through Christ. And we do that every week. And all our local churches are like that. But those who really need to hear the message, those who need the forgiveness of sins through, through Jesus Christ, are restricted from coming in. So what do we need to do? We need to rip the roof off so that people can get in. It's a metaphoric statement. We don't necessarily want to rip the roof off. You have to put that chainsaw away, Mark. You can't get it out just yet. So... <laughs> But we need to do things, some things. And I'm going to give you three things that we can do. And they all come from looking at the friends who helped the paralysed man get access to the forgiveness of sins through Jesus Christ. And the first is this. We actually need to get compassionate about people. It's time to get compassionate for people, people who are beyond the church, people who have not yet heard the message of Christ. See, see, when we look at that passage, some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. And when they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, what did they do? They had compassion. They went and found another way to go in. You know, his friends had compassion enough to go, yeah, I'm going to get out of my way and I'm going to carry you and take you to the person who can change your life. See what the friends are doing? They've got compassion for this person, the paralyzed, who doesn't have access to the forgiveness of sins, who hasn't heard, you know, the message, the healing message of Christ, and they bring him to Christ. That is what we are meant to be doing. That's part of ripping the roof off is to bring people to the message of Christ that they can hear. And can we be a place where that message of Christ comes? Yes, is the answer. Yes, this place is a place where the message of Christ is heard. Compassion for People who are outside the faith means we are going to do whatever it takes, whether it means that you know, when we come to a point when we can't get there, we're going to find an alternate way to get there, climb up on the roof, get on the roof and then dig a hole through the roof. And so that kind of brings me to the next kind of thing. When we start thinking about what they did, you really got to understand that you, those friends really had to cooperate together really had to work hard together to get this person to Jesus Christ. It wasn't as simple as go, oh, yeah, let's, let's just walk through the door and there you are. At times, you know, Jesus will interact with the, pe- the person and it'll be immediate at that moment. But what we're seeing is these friends, they're tenacious. They're really having to work hard. They've got the compassion for this, this paralysed man, but they need to cooperate to get him. How many people have, have managed to lift a person, a paralysed person that doesn't have the, the strength of their legs, from ground level, on a mat, up the side of a house, onto the, the roof? Even if it's via stairs. You know, you, you, know, you can't really do it together. Well, you might be able to, if you're really big and burly, you might be able to hook them over five man's lift and that kind of thing. But I think if you're carrying him on the mat, you're probably trying to want, you know, either end of the mat and lifting up. But if you're trying to go up the side of a house without stairs or anything like that, then it's really you've got to tie it off and lift it up, rope it up and get it over and there on the top of the house. 
So they're really having to work hard. And then they have to work hard at digging through the roof, at getting through what's there. It, 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 it's so important. They worked together at the same spot to dig through, to get through. Um, and you can just kind of see, you know, I, I think it's so amazing, you know, that I think, you know, Jesus is preaching away and suddenly on the head of a couple of people, bits of the roof start falling in and suddenly there's preachers, Jesus is still preaching and you can see that, you know, and people are starting to crawl and bits more are falling on there, everybody else, and our head pops through to look to see through. You can just see, and you know, and that's when Jesus goes, I see the, I see the, you know, the faith of the friends working for you and he really makes that statement. It's just, I think it's so visually amazing that that's what they're doing. But, in order to dig through, they had to get together and work together. It, it wasn't the fact that they decided, okay, well, I'm going to dig over here because I think this is the best place. And what, no, I think this is the best place. And I'm going to dig. They didn't all go in their own separate directions going, I'm trying to get there. They all worked together. And this is so important for us as a church. So important for us to have the unity of, of purpose to work together to get people to un- to get people to Jesus Christ and the forgiveness that only God can give, to work together, and and you know the thing, the greatest thing about churches these days, is that disunity defeats the power of God working through a church. Disunity, strength of purpose, working together, we can do amazing things. But more than that, I actually think that the Spirit of God is telling us that in order to rip the roof off this place, we need to be going, how can we work with our brothers and sisters in Christ in other denominations? How can we work with brothers and sisters in Christ in churches within our own denominations? How can we, for our area here and all of the world, how can we actually work together more effectively, more openly, more cooperate with people not find ways to pull people down, not find ways to be a reason not to do stuff together, but let's find ways to do things together for the purpose of Christ in there. Let me just share with you a piece of scripture. comes from John 17, verse 33. I in them and you in me, may they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. See, unity is an essential component in letting the world know about Jesus Christ. You know, when people look and go, why have we got a church here and why have we got a church there? Why are we, what's the difference? Why are you fighting together? Why have you got these things? They look at the disunity and the guy don't want anything to do with it. To align. See, unity is really to align ourselves, to join together, to support, to encourage, to edify. But I have to say this, it's, it's really hard. Um, knowing that it's so easy to pull people down, to be critical um, about what people do and people say, 
to have our feelings hurt so easily, it's really hard as a church to continue to spread the good news of Jesus Christ to those who are yet to believe when we are too quick to pull others down. Let, let me, and I gave this example this morning, and I think I'll, I'll do it again. Uh, it, it, you know, I think the church sometimes is a bit like this, um, and I think we really should not be like this. I heard a story about a woman standing in front of a mirror, and she, she was telling her husband, I can't believe this. I'm so out of shape. I'm getting old, I'm getting wrinkly, my hair is, is going grey. I just don't look pretty anymore. And she looked and turned to her husband and said, Honey, I just need a romantic compliment from you. And he looks up from what he was doing and he says, Oh, baby, it's okay. Your eyesight is incredible. <laughs> so, so instead of giving a really uplifting kind of thing, he, he was thinking, Oh, let's do something encouraging, but he pulled it down. Rather than being encouraging and lifting up, pulling down. Let's, let's not look for the nitty-gritty you know, nitty and pick things apart. Let's find the unity that we can edify and the lift up to encourage, to support one another in Christ and in our endeavours. And one of, the, one of the reasons when I was asked whether I could preach it at, at the Baptist church over the road um, with, when, when Thomas was on holidays was how can we bless, how can we edify, how can we encourage others around us? Not our own denomination, that's okay. Can I do that? Yes, we do have the gifts and the freedom to do that. We have, we've been blessed as a church. We have people who can preach and who are wonderful preachers. I'm looking forward to hearing all of the, the series. Even if I'm not being able to be here, I'm going to listen to them um, on the recordings. We have great preachers and we can help and edify the church around us by using some of those things. That's a way of being in unity with others. We need to love, we need to pray, we need to be involved, we need to listen, we need to learn, we need to be in unity together. And see, the thing is, our third thing, that the friends who carry the paralysed man draws for us out of this passage, what it means for the church is it's actually time to be committed to people. So often, and here's a little negative thing that I'm going to say, so often in churches, and especially I'm looking from the administrative point of view of a church, we need to make sure all the rules and regulations are adhered to. And that's my job. I have to make sure that all of that stuff gets done. I have to make sure all those things happen. But we need to make sure that we are committed to people, that the rules and regulations don't continually get in the way of letting people in. So we need to be committed to people. What happened with the friends? You know, they, they, they go, uh, the, the paralysed man asked the friends, can you take me to Jesus? He's coming to town and I've heard he's been healing people. Can you take me to him to get healed? Sure, let's go and do it. So they come up and they go, first of all, they said yes to the first point. Yes, I'll go and help, being committed to the people. And then they're coming along and they're carrying him and then they see, oh, all the people I can't get through. What do they do? Give up? Turn around and go back because it was all a little too hard. I had too many other things on. Had a, you know, committed to the person, committed to the people. Kept on going. You know, climbed up on the roof, dug through. What did they do? Give up? No, they kept on going. Committed to the people. Committed to that person. 
as a church, we need to be committed not to necessarily the buildings, not to the structures, not to all of these. We need to be committed to people. We need to be committed to Christ so that the people can hear the good news of Jesus Christ. This is a powerful passage. I bet when you were reading through this, you didn't get all of that out of just at this moment. This is a powerful passage. Can you see why I think this is one of my favourites? Because it's got so many different elements. It's got, it's got the Jesus and the, the central part of that. The central part of that passage is forgiveness of sins. And what's, what's the message of the gospel? That your sins are forgiven in the power and the name of Christ. Forgiven on the cross of Christ. Forgiven through the resurrection of Christ. We see the power and the hope found in Christ for all of us. And he just demonstrated that in the forgiveness and the healing of this paralyzed man we see the faith and the tenacity of the friends that working hard to get this person to that forgiveness so let us now pray because we're going to pray for ourselves and we're going to pray for our church that we really can be committed to this process that we really can raise the roof of this place rip the roof off so that we are willing to go out and do whatever it takes whether it is to dig a hole in the roof so people can get to christ and hear the message of forgiveness so let's just pray together our gracious Lord, we just give you thanks today that we are able to come here today, that we have the free, unfettered access to your place, this church, to your word found in Scripture, that we have free, unfettered access to you, O oh God. Lord, if we are teetering on the moment of not knowing whether we've been forgiven, not knowing whether we're really at one with God, I just pray that the Holy Spirit is on you right now, convicting your heart to say yes to God, yes to his love, yes to his change in your life. Oh Lord, I just pray also, I pray for our church, I pray for our neighbouring churches, I pray for the churches within our, our locality and shire, for all of Sydney and all of the world, I pray for a sense of unity and purpose within our churches. I pray that there is a sense of, of working together more openly and more fully as, as a means and as a way of bringing people to become fully devoted disciples of our Lord Jesus Christ. May the blessing of God Almighty be on you now. May the Holy Spirit be upon you now. May your sins be forgiven in the name of Christ. Amen.